All right, well, this morning uh, we're going to come into a teaching called 10 Times Better. Can everyone say 10 Times Better? 10 Times Better. And it's about developing a spirit of excellence. We're going to look at the example of Daniel this morning. Um, but let's just pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We declare, Lord, that your word is powerful. I thank you, Lord, for our church. I thank you, Lord, for the season that you're taking us into. And we thank you, Jesus, that you're sharpening us and you're sharpening uh, each other as we spend time with you in the word. And we declare, Lord, that this is a season for us to understand what it means to have a spirit of excellence and what it means to cultivate a spirit of excellence in Jesus' name. And everyone said, okay. Well, uh, understanding excellence, I first want to talk about what excellence isn't. And if we talk about what excellence isn't, the word that comes to mind is mediocrity. Okay, kind of just mediocre, ho-hum, blah, blah, blah. Mediocrity actually is what I would call, it's a curse. Mediocrity is a curse um, that God wants us to bring us out of. What I mean by a curse in that it's usually a curse of our thinking. Uh, when we kind of just, uh, you know, whatever, yeah, it'll do. Um, it never positions us to actually want to grow our life in a place beyond where it is. Now, when we know that God that we worship is a God of growth, He's a God of fruitfulness, we know that He needs us to partner with Him sometimes, and it starts with our thinking. That's why this morning I felt, as a catalyst for the Word today, that we had to actually look at some of our thinking. Um, because sometimes our thinking itself is mediocre thinking. And so an excellent spirit is strongly related to excellent thinking. Um, and so if we look at mediocrity, is a curse that God wants to remove from our lives. And we have to learn practical steps to overcome this enemy called average. And uh, it usually starts with our thinking and our identity. And we have to develop an attitude to excel to want to excel in life um, and really be positioned to do all that you are called to do in life. And so we're going to look at this biblical concept of excellence uh, or being called to excel. And it appears no less, the word excel appears no less than 70 times, seven zero, 70 times in the Bible. And God reveals in his word, we're going to look at scriptures today, that excellence must be an important virtue and a quality of every Christian's character and lifestyle. So in Daniel chapter 6, verse 3, the word for excellence actually is pronounced and it's an Aramaic, Aramaic word called yatia, yatia. And that's what the word in Aramaic is for the word excellence, yatia. And yatia defines someone who is preeminent extraordinary, surpassing, and going beyond expectations. That's what the word means in the Aramaic. And so when we have a look at Daniel, I'm going to read from Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, Daniel's training in Babylon. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So we're looking at a power struggle right now where Nebuchadnezzar takes over this other land. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim of Judah into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. And these he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Verse 3, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his count officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. So King Nebuchadnezzar wanted the premium people of the Israelites. He wanted members of the royal family and he wanted members of the other class called the nobility. These were young men without any physical defect. They were handsome, the Bible says, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them, catch this, the language and literature of the Babylonians. So, what he wanted to do was he wanted to get the best of the Israelites, he wanted to bring them into the land of Babylonia and he wanted them to be trained in the ways and the culture of Babylonia. He wanted the best. He wanted to teach the best, the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. And they would be trained, get this, they would be trained for three years and after that they were to enter the king's service. And among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, 
Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Ab- Abednego. There's, we need some more light on this. <laughs> we'll have more light next week. Awesome. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food. Daniel resolved. Everyone say resolved. Similar to contended. He stood his ground. He resolved. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Verse 11, Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, please test your servants for 10 days. Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. And then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. Verse 14, so we agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. Everyone say tested. And at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier. The Israelites, the people of God from Israel, the cream of the crop, who said no to the the food of the land, no to the the drink of the land, just were eating vegetables. They looked healthier. Everyone say healthier. They looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. We're almost there. Just need to paint the picture here and it's good to hear some scripture. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. The king found no one equal to these four young Israelites. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better. Ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Who thinks that that's a pretty wow story? Everyone say wow. And so what's interesting here is it's likely that we think of these words the most important when it comes to, when you think about um, excellence and when you think about this story, it's likely that we think words are sometimes the most important thing when it comes to communication and the tool of communication. But in reality, what this story highlights is that it's actually our spirit that has the greatest impact on anything to do with our life and the world around us. Let me say that again. Sometimes when we think about excellence and we think about people being a standout or people having a favor or people standing out from the crowd, so to speak, people being 10 times better, a lot of the times we think it's how that person communicates or how that person presents themselves or their skills or how they look. And sometimes those factors can play a contribution. We read that in the Bible with this particular story. But I want everyone to understand today as a starting point that the number one thing that's critical for a person to be excellent is to have a spirit of excellence. It starts with the inner condition of the heart, a spirit of excellence. And we're going to look at this. That the greatest impact on your journey to becoming someone of excellence is to generate and to cultivate a spirit of excellence. And the Holy Spirit wants to partner with you and I in conjunction with His Word, spending time with Him. He wants you and I to cultivate, to grow, to develop a spirit of excellence because it's a key for us impacting the world around us. And it goes far deeper than how we look or what we say. It goes far deeper than that because it actually looks at the underlying catalyst of our character and how we relate to the world and how we perceive the world. And this is because our spirit serves, the Bible teaches, as a filter. Our spirit is like a filter which defines our experience for us. So have you known or have you ever interacted with a person 
who has what we call a critical spirit. See, someone who has a critical spirit, another way of saying that is that they have a critical filter, which means that the way that they see the world is through these sunglasses that's kind of critical and cynical and the conspiracy theory. Oh, why did they say that? And so the spirit that's on your life and that you develop in your life in partner with the Holy Spirit, God's spirit is perfect. But he wants us to develop a spirit of excellence. So it's not just all the outside things that we're talking about. What we do, what we achieve, how we say things, how we come across. They're tangible things on the outside that usually manifest in a good way based on what's going on on the inside. We know that. But it's a vital part of life to define what we experience and how we filter in terms of our world. Let me quickly talk to you about filters. Because God has wired us to have certain filters. But I want us to first analyze or self-evaluate. I want you to think right now, is there anything that maybe I need to work on in terms of do I have a critical filter? Let me give you an example of some more basic filters. Some of you have what we call a micro-size filter. So when you see the world, you're more into the detail. Other people, would, you'd like to have a filter where you're more macro, you're big picture. So you like to understand things like you're in a helicopter and you see the big world. Other people, you're kind of, you want the details. So if you're detail-orientated, you get frustrated with people who are just giving you the big picture. If you're big picture-orientated, you get uh, frustrated with people who just give you all the detail. You want, you want the big picture, right? That's a filter. That's kind of how we're wired, right? That's one filter. Another filter is uh, sometimes people are motivated because they want to go towards pleasure, right? That's kind of what an example of a filter is. Another filter is people are motivated because they want to get away from pain. That's another filter. These are just basic filters. But the supreme filter as a man or woman of God that we've got to work on is what we call our spirit. Our spirit surpasses all these other things because those filters that I just talked about is kind of how you're wired mentally, how you see the world. Do you know, have you ever noticed that you're actually not exactly the same as everyone else around you? Notice that you've got some differences to the person next to you. Turn the person next to you and say, I'm a little bit different. But say it with a cheerful spirit. I'm a little bit different. Can I say this to you? You should want to be different. And the primary way that you should want to be different is you should want to be different because you have a spirit of excellence. When people hang around you, whether they know Jesus or they don't, there's something about you that's just different. It's your core whole being filter. It's your spirit. See, if your spirit is renewed by Jesus, meaning the Bible says if you become born again, it means that even though in your own self you're weak, that his undefeatable, death-defying, curse-conquering, incorruptible seed actually partners with your spirit and you start to go on this journey becoming renewed on the inside. Can I tell you that God starts there with the decision to give your life to Christ? It starts there, but it's an ongoing journey where God wants you to actually cultivate a spirit of excellence, to work on your character, to become more Christ-like, to align your mind to the Word of God and to have the fruits of the Spirit flowing out of your life. Now, I'm a big believer and I said I think this last week, everyone say progress before perfection. Let's say it again. Progress before perfection. We are made perfect in Christ, but sometimes we get so hung up that we're not meeting the mark in our own strength that sometimes we think, oh, this is too hard. I'm going to give up. But God's saying, come on, be a person of progress, as in be someone who's hungry to grow. Even though you get to the end of the day and you may not have been perfect, be someone who wants to progress. And Daniel was known. Where is Daniel? Hey, Daniel, good name. Great name. Hmm? And Daniel was known for his excellent spirit. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. That's in Daniel chapter 1, verse 20. Ten times better. You and I are called to be better. 
You and I are called to excel. We are called to have a spirit of excellence. Are we called to be perfect in Christ? Yes. But in our own self, no, because then that becomes some kind of a, a thing that you become a slave to. Because as a human being, we're broken vessels. That's why we need Christ, right? We're never going to attain perfection in our own right. It's impossible because we're broken people. That's why people reach out to all these other things in their life, because they're trying to fill that brokenness, that void of brokenness. And yet all those things they reach out typically make them more broke on the inside. It's not until you actually ask Christ into your heart where he can renew your heart, he can renew your spirit, he can renew your mind and take you on this progressive journey of becoming more like him. But can I tell you that God absolutely loves you. He absolutely adores you. He is absolutely in love with you. And he wants nothing more to see you be everything that he's dreamed to see you become. He focuses and he thinks on you and how great you are, but more importantly, what he wants to see you become. Even if you never became better than what you are, he would still adore you. He would still love you just the same. But it's a love on the inside of him that's enduring forever. It's eternal love. It cannot be shaken. It cannot be watered down. It's so powerful that it doesn't matter how many times you fall down. He wants to keep chasing after and to keep picking up and say, you know what? There's more to your life than this. There's more. Excel. You're called to be a person who's called to be better. You're called to be a person who's called to stand out. You're called to be an ambassador of everything that God is. Allow that to awaken on the inside of you. And do you know what I found in my life? The only true way you can allow that to awaken on the inside of you is if you first accept the love of God towards you. If you battle with the Father's heart and your mind still battles with, well, why would God really love me? Does God really love me? If you battle with... That identity that God's still there with a checklist going, "Mm, you're not quite cutting the mustard still. It will always become a barrier for you being able to embrace healing. It'll hold you back from actually understanding that God wants the best for you. It'll stop your thinking from being alignment with, you know what, I am excellent. Because God lives on the inside of me. I'm a child of the most high God. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. And because of that, I'm called to be excellent. And until we get our thinking aligned to that and believing that truth, we'll always sometimes be hindered in walking into this thing called excellence and generating a spirit of excellence. So 10 times better. But in order to become who he created us to be, we must cooperate with him in developing our character. And I want to talk about a couple of key things around excellence. I want to talk about developing a spirit of excellence. The first thing that Daniel did was he made a no compromise decision to identify with God in all things. Can everyone say no compromise? And so like Daniel, we actually have to start at this place to set our hearts on this decision. I want everyone to think about this. Decide once and for all. To identify with God. What do I mean with that? What do I mean about that? Come to a place in your heart where you make the decision. I need God. I belong to God. I actually need to invite God into my life. I need to grab a hold of God. And I need to actually see that who I am is connected to something far bigger than myself. And his name is Jesus. You know what's interesting about all other religions? Is that if you look at them, they all talk about meeting a certain standard. Doing certain things. Ticking boxes on a certain checklist. It's all about works in order to be positioned to be partnered with God. The one difference with Jesus is he says that's actually wrong. That you don't have to do anything 
to actually be partnered with God except just believe that he's the one true God. And when you look at, he's the only God who said he was God that died for people and broke his body and took the power and of everything in sin and death onto himself and destroyed the power of sin so you and I could freely come into the things of God and say, God, I want you. I'm not perfect. I'm not blameless. I've got problems. I've got issues. But God, please come and accept me and wash me clean. And there is no other religion that actually offers that offering. That's why we call it the truth. That's why we call it the only way. Because if you think about all the other ways, it says that there's something in man that can be perfect. Come on, think about it. All the other ways say that there is something in man that is good enough to accept God through their own works. Now, I don't know how long you've been on planet Earth for, but I know I've been on planet Earth long enough to know every single day I clearly see evidence in my own life that hits me right between the eyeballs to tell me that there is nothing that I could do to actually uh, earn the right to be perfect. It started in the sand pit at kindergarten when I wanted to steal the truck from the other kid. No one had to teach me that. No one had to teach me how to lie. No one had to teach me how to sin. No one had to teach me how to be bad. People had to teach me how to be good. Why? Because inherently within me, there's sin. And can I tell you, when you acknowledge that for the first time in your life, you invite wisdom into your life. It's wisdom to acknowledge that you've got sin in your life. Let me reverse engineer that. Anyone who denies that they've got sin in their life, I would say is foolish. It's foolishness. Completely blind to the reality check of being a human being. That all humans are broken. They're not whole in their own right. They need something bigger than themselves. And his name is Jesus. Because Jesus is perfect. Jesus is excellent. And so decide once and for all to identify with God. And so let's go back to the scripture. But Daniel made up his mind. He made up his mind. He made up his mind. He made up his mind. That he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. See, part of the Babylonian strategy was to take, get this, to take all those fine men, to get them to uh, learn all of the uh, culture and to get them to change their diet so that they would acquire a taste for choice of Babylonian food and also get them uh, to uh, learn all their ways. And once they actually then practice those ways by serve. not only do they want to teach in their ways and learn the ways but then they wanted to get them to serve the king for three years to get those ways embedded into them literally to culture change and identity shift those israelites away from their god to babylonian ways of life and then once serving the king for three years then the strategy was to send them back to israel and then get them to take Babylonian wives and to actually get that culture and all of that thinking and all of those ways embedded into that culture. So it was an identity war that was a strategy. The king, King Nebuchadnezzar, wanted to take their identity and to actually drown it and to shape and get them to actually align to a whole new identity and completely shift the culture away from Israel and make it all a Babylonian culture. That's what the strategy was. But it took a man with a spirit of excellence to make a decision and say, you know what? This is not who I am. I'm not called to do this. And so he made up his mind that he would not defile himself. Can I tell you, in my own life, there's been many times I've had to make a decision. I've had to make a decision to not do certain things. I've had to make a decision to do certain things. I've had to make a decision to put the line in the sand. I've had to make a decision to say no to these people. I've had to make a decision to say yes to these people. I've had to make a decision to say yes to God. I never forget the time when I first gave my life to Jesus. My heart was pumping. There was a presence of God, but there was been a leading up to that moment. It was a church service like this. And the Holy Spirit had been speaking to me. I didn't really know it was the Holy Spirit. But I knew there was something in my life that was desperate and hungry for something bigger than myself because I was trapped. And so I remember God, the sense of just that there was something new that was going to come. It was a sense of hope, but I didn't know what it was. So if I'm myself in a church service like this, and um, 
the preacher, he preached this message all about making a decision. And the whole time when he was speaking, my heart was just like... At the end, he said, there's someone here who needs to make a decision for Jesus. And as he said that, it's like my heart was going out of my chest. You know, like the cartoon? I was just like, I think this might be me. And I came down the front. I gave my life to Christ. And can I tell you, the next 12 months after that, there were decisions that I was making which were solidifying my faith. And there's a reason why I'm standing here before you today. Daniel had to make a decision. Can I say this to you, that when it comes to being a person of excellence, you have to make sure you make the right decisions. And you've got to make the decisions based on your identity. You've got to make decisions based on your identity. Let's have a look at this. That's why it's absolutely necessary to make a once and for all decision to identify with Jesus if we want to develop an excellent spirit. Sometimes what's stopping you from developing an excellent spirit is because you kind of arm and are with Jesus. One day you're into it, the next day not so much. You've got to make a decision because then you step into a whole season of momentum. The 11th chapter of Hebrews is called the faith chapter of the Bible. And in this chapter, many heroes of faith are listed, many with the same spirit described in Daniel. And it says this in Hebrews 11.15, And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, then they would have an opportunity, then they would have had opportunity to return. Meaning, if they'd been thinking about the past and they weren't focused on the future, they would have had a lot of opportunities open up to them. Can I get you to catch this? They're talking about heroes of the faith, people who were successful people of God, who were examples of a spirit of excellence. And it talked about if they were thinking about the land from which they came from, if they kept thinking and thinking about the past, if they kept identifying and they kept fighting with the places that they come from and why that was going to restrict them and why that was going to hold them back, then it says that that thinking about the past would have probably opened up opportunities. They would have actually gone back to the past and made bad decisions. So it actually says that one of the biggest things about a person who has a spirit of excellence is they actually have a crossroads in their life where they stop, keeping, they stop, stop having a love affair with the past. They stop thinking about the past and, and what, they, what they did and what they did and what they didn't do. And they break it off and say, enough is enough. Jesus is the way. I'm going forward. And then for these opportunities open up to them because their thinking is aligned in partnership with God and they don't keep going back to the past. I know. Classic story. I don't even think. Maybe I've shared that with you. I don't know. Maybe when we were dating. I can't remember what it was. But there was an ex-girlfriend of mine that I had before I was a Christian. Facebook. Oh, Facebook. Ping. I get this private message in my Facebook. Hi, Brad. I found you on Facebook. It's, won't tell you the name. Isn't Facebook wonderful, she said. Love to catch up for a coffee. What does a spirit of excellence do? Delete. I didn't know you could do it back then. It's Facebook was just new. There's many things you could do now. But someone who doesn't have a spirit of excellence, come on, let's go there today. Someone who doesn't really have a spirit of excellence, come on now, will read the message and then read the message and then maybe read it again. And then go away and think about it, chew on it, and start to think about the past. Think about the interaction with that person. Think about it. Which leads to another thought about, well, it's only a coffee. In a public place. Meaningless. No. Delete. 
that private message. Why? Because that's what a spirit of excellence would tell you to do. Don't toy with your past. Cut it off. Why? Because you're going to a greater place with Jesus. Right? And boundaries are a big part and identity is a big part of a spirit of excellence. And what's interesting is we actually all get worn down at times, don't we? Through the experience of our life, we get worn down. We get tired. And so it's an important part to renew your identity often, to remind yourself who you are, what you're called to do, so that you make right choices. During Bible times, they minted coins, and on the coins that they minted, minted was just a way of how the coins were manufactured, they minted the coins, and the coins had the image of kings imprinted on them, and was, it was valued, the coin was valued by their weight in gold. And during money exchange, parties would look at the coin to see if the image was still apparent, as in still very obvious, or had it been worn away. Because the light of the image, or the more worn away it had, it indicated that the gold had been rubbed off the coin, it was less weight, and therefore it was worth less, it had less value. How often do we allow the enemy to rub away at the strong godly image on the inside that the Holy Spirit's constantly trying to strengthen? How often do we allow the enemy to rub away at the image of who we are, our identity in Christ, which causes us to feel worthless, which causes us to feel like we're of less value, and then causes us to forget that we're called to be a person of excellence, and we're called to make a stand, and we're called to make good decisions aligned to that identity of excellence. How many times does the enemy try to wear us down so that we make these bad decisions because we forget who, who we really are? First of all, understand that sometimes we're going to be worn down. That's why we've got to renew and refresh our identity in God because we're called to be people of excellence. Husbands, we're called to be faithful to our wives. Absolutely 100%. Wives, we're called to be faithful to our husbands. 100%. Excellence. Families, we're called to have honor in our home. To respect mums and dads but to respect our children and raise them in the things of God. Excellence. People of God, we're called to be punctual. (laughs) People of God, we're called to be punctual. People of God, we're called to be punctual. Just thought I'd put that in. And so in Daniel 7.25, And he will speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints of the Highest One. Daniel chapter 7 verse 25, it talks about that the enemy will speak out against the Most High and wear down, wear down, wear down the saints of the Highest One. So awaken to the fact that sometimes your identity, which is called to be excellent, to make excellent choices. The enemy wants to wear down that image, wants to water down that image, wants to water down that revelation, wants to minimize the revelation that you're called to be excellent so that you make choices that don't align to your identity. Be encouraged to remind yourself. Next one is trust in and accept God's ways. Quite often, God's ways are not part of our agenda. And so it's about trusting God's ways. I want to read this part of the scripture here in Daniel 1.9. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. He sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Daniel, we know, ended up going into a lion's den because he actually did not bow down to worship 
the king and, and the Babylonian gods. Sometimes we have to make strong decisions and being excellent, but we've just got to trust God's ways. Can I tell you that again, there is reward for obedience. It just doesn't come as quick as a two-minute magic noodle packet. But God rewards obedience. God rewards excellence. So trust in and accept God's ways. The next one is be willing, and not everyone will probably like this one, but that's okay because it's the truth. And the truth will, truth will set you free. Be willing to be tested. Daniel 1, 12 to 14, please test your servants for 10 days. Then let us be given some vegetables and water to drink, and then let our appearance be observed in your presence. So he listened to them and tested them. Now, Daniel was willing to be tested because he trusted God to care for him. Let's listen to this. Isn't this amazing? Many of us cringe at the thought of requesting a test. Have you ever hesitated to ask God to test you? I know I have. But that's probably because we confuse the word, and this is critical, because someone who's developing a spirit of excellence will actually allow God to test them. Because sometimes we don't allow God or we don't welcome a testing from God because we confuse testing with tempting. Let me be very clear on this. The Bible clearly teaches that God will test you, but that God will never tempt you. God doesn't tempt. The devil tempts. God tests. It's important to understand the difference. Remember, God never tempts us. That's Satan's effort. To understand the difference, let's look at the origin of these two words. It's critical. Consider an item handcrafted by a skilled carpenter. Once the item is completed, the carpenter tests it to see if it is ready for its intended use. On the other hand, if one of the carpenter's competitors wants to discredit the carpenter's craftsmanship, he'll put pressure on the item that it was never meant to bear in order to cause it to break. That's a picture of the word tempt. Did everyone just catch that revelation? At times, God will test to see if the excellence that he's trying to develop within you is growing and developing. But temptation is a different thing. Temptation is putting pressure on you and your identity to want to cause you to break. When someone wants to be excellent, they have a level of bravery to step out by faith and to see that they're going to be tested by their faith. Faith never really is faith unless it's tested. Think about it. So now I want to finish off. I want to talk about the pursuit of excellence. I want everyone to close their eyes just for a second. And also, always when I do this, there's at least someone that doesn't close their eyes, not realizing that I have my eyes open and I can see you. So again, so important just to flow, just to flow in the, in the house. Let's just flow. Let's work together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord, in this moment of people got their eyes closed, that you would show them, Lord, what you want them to work on specifically. Lord, I thank you, Father, for the thinking and the thoughts in people's minds about themselves. But, Lord, I thank you, God, that you would show them what parts of their thinking about themselves needs to change today. That you're calling us to be people of excellence. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're calling us to rise to a place of pursuing after you. But Lord, show us today. Lord, make it an individual moment right now. What are thoughts about ourselves that hold us individually back? As you've got your eyes closed, I'm hearing the Lord say that there are some people here today. And the word average, I'm hearing the Lord say it's like it's tattooed into your heart. That you're just average. 
and you'll never be anything better than average. I'm hearing the Lord say this passionately. Do not believe that lie any longer. Start to align your thinking to the truth and God's calling you to be 10 times better, to be excellent. Father, I thank you, Lord, for dreams in this place. Lord, dreams, Lord, for people to pursue and to chase after. Lord, I pray that you would activate those dreams in a new way today in Jesus' name. But Lord, highlight those thoughts that are holding us back. Amen. Okay, open your eyes. I'm just going to finish with one more point. I'm going to ask Byron if you can come. And then we're going to... uh... Thanks, Pastor Byron. One thing I want to finish with is this. Pursuing excellence is not a quest to be superior. So in the first definition, when we look at excellence, when you look at worldly definition of excellence... It actually talks about the state, quality, or condition of excelling, superiority. The word excel in worldly definition. To do or be better than someone else. To surpass someone else. To show superiority. To surpass others. That's not the biblical definition of excellence. And that's what we've got to be mindful of. Because one thing I know about God is that when He releases revelation, He'll always release revelation in you individually that will also be designed and positioned in your heart to protect unity among you corporately. And church, I want to talk to you so openly and passionately as we end this with this particular topic. So if there's anything I want you to catch right now, it's this. And I'd love you to eyeball me right now. So if I'm looking at you, I'd love to see that you're eyeballing me right now. I think sometimes in the kingdom, we get this confused. Last Sunday, I talked about making sure that we were a contender, not a pretender. We talked about the difference of the eunuch who was pursuing Christ for Christ and who he was first. And that all the benefits of the promises were all those things that would add it unto seeking first the king and his kingdom first. But the pretender was the magician who saw all the wow factor of God and wanted to chase after that. We talked about the difference. In this word of being someone of excellence, understand that Sometimes it's good to have a competitive thing on the inside of you in that it can give you drive. For example, if I see a competitive thing on the inside of Zara, I'm not going to trample it down because I know it's probably going to be a catalyst for her to breaking through many things in her life. That's why I wanted to get involved in sport. I want to get her to pursue things because it's a good part of her development. But one thing that I'll make sure that we teach our children that I want to teach our spiritual children is it's one thing to pursue excellence. It's one thing to know that you're called to have a spirit of excellence. But what excellence is not is wanting to be excellent above everyone else. Let me clearly highlight this. The word excel is very different to the word success. Success says, I'm going to be a success, as in I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be number one. Excel means to do your best, to do the best with what you have. And so to be excellent, but not necessarily to have to be the best at everything. It's about pursuing excellence and pursuing progress, but without a competitive spirit. I've seen it many times in the kingdom, many times in church life, where people get a hold of this call to be excellent, but they take it too far. 
and they start comparing themselves and they start getting jealous of other people's breakthrough. And can I tell you that you're called to be excellent in your life. You're called to excel in your world. You're called to go as far as you can with what God gives you. You're called to be faithful with what God gives you. You're called to be excellent, to pursue that, to have clear boundaries in your life, to know who you're called to be with Christ, to make sure that you pursue after your marketplace calling, that you be excellent in your family, that you're excellent with your finances, that you're excellent with your generosity, that you're excellent with your heart, that you're excellent, you're a person of excellence, that you represent God well. But someone who has a spirit of excellence still has to be okay with someone else next door to them, behind them, around them also being a success. Because the irony is, is if you're pursuing excellence, but you can't stand it where someone else is shining bright next to you, then you actually don't have a spirit of excellence. It becomes an ugly spirit that actually is very unattractive. It's called deep competitiveness. So let me say this to you. When you're in a moment of your life celebrating a breakthrough, at the same time celebrate someone else's breakthrough. If you're in a moment in your life where you're still believing for breakthrough and someone else has already breakthrough, celebrate that breakthrough with them. That is a spirit of excellence. I want to tell you for this church, for this house, it's so important that you and I get this right. Because I want to tell you, we're called to be excellent. We're called to be excellent people, to be people chasing after God, to be people who are believing for God to take our inner world to the next level. And then that will manifest in our outer world. Now, we've all got different types of dreams, but I want to say this to you in an encouraging way. We are all called to excellence. Some of you have already got this mindset. Some of you are still battling this mindset and some of you are a little bit way to go. But you know what? We're believing for a breaking out that people start to solidify, that they see themselves as the head and not the tail. And can I tell you, I'm not talking about finances here and money. Again, sometimes we define things in worldly success. Not that it's an issue if you've got good finances and God's blessing you. That's great. But I'm saying in terms of your identity on the inside and your identity here, that God's calling you to be a person of impact. God's calling you to be a person who's not just average Joe. God's calling you to rise wherever you are to that next level. God's calling you to be a contender. God's calling you not to just sit in in a rut, not to stay the same, not to kind of grab a hold of an idol called mediocrity and claim it as false humility. God's saying, you know what? I want to take you to that next place. I want you to break out. I want you to go to the next level. I want you. But as we start to develop this mindset and as we start to actually dream and believe for our lives, life and and continue to step into the things of God and to see God breaking out amongst us and to see Christ actually grow on the inside of us and to see the word manifest in our mind and our thoughts and to see our hearts become full with the things of God and to see those things that we've been believing for like that beautiful woman who's been believing for three years for a full-time job since coming to Australia finally the door opened to her this week I mean these are things that we've got to celebrate and we've got to celebrate them with the spirit of excellence as if we've got to be okay when we're in pursuing our excellence we're pursuing our goals that we can still be okay and happy for the person who's also pursuing their excellence because it's a race, it's a great race, but it's not a competitive race in the kingdom. It's got to be a race that's also about running together, encouraging together. And I hear the Lord saying that this morning, He's wanting to release a double portion of two key anointings. He's wanting to release an anointing of excellence, but also with the anointing of encouragement. And I hear the Lord saying that corporately, that God is wanting us to stick closer like a brother and a sister more than ever before. And I hear the Lord saying that when He prompts you to text that person in the middle of the week and encourage them to do it and to obey Him because the Lord is saying more so than ever that God is wanting to release some momentum but people need to be encouraged. People need to be encouraged. People need to be encouraged. And I hear the Lord say that if you sow a seed of encouragement even when you're in the, in the wee hours of the night and you need encouragement more than you're able to give it, God says still sow encouragement. Keep sowing encouragement. Keep sowing encouragement to your brothers and your sisters. God's saying, if you keep encouraging, that that actually is the anchor that will help you individually pursue excellence, but actually to stay excellent in your ability to observe other people pursuing their excellence. 
I hear the Lord also saying this, that as we actively chase after and, and manifest encouragement to each other, that what it's going to do is it's going to push back any type of competitiveness that would try to come in. I'm hearing the Lord say that a spirit of competitiveness within the church and within the kingdom is a spirit that tries to choke the life out of the unity of people. Let's just come into a time of prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your beautiful people. I thank you, Lord, that you're releasing bravery and boldness for us to dream, for us to be people of excellence, for us to anchor our lives and our identity that we are part of you, that we belong to you, God. Lord, in this moment, I thank you for where every single person's at. Lord, I thank you that you are so amazing, God, that you love every person in this place. doesn't matter where they're at. You love them unconditionally. I thank you, Lord, that if they were the only person on planet Earth, you would run to the ends of the earth to pursue them because you just love people so much that you send your only son to die for us, to shed his blood and break his body so that we could freely run into the presence of God without shame, without blame. I thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus, that it's so powerful that no weapon of hell or the enemy can conquer the blood of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that even in this moment of time, that you are beyond time. And I thank you, Lord, that you knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. And Lord, you're going to know us and know about us even beyond our days on this earth. And Father, I pray for people here, those ones that have come here today and privately have been searching and been asking that God, if you're real, somehow, some way, can you just show up in their life? I thank you, Lord, for the people here today. 